Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning and destiny. I want to refer those that are new to my website at ultimatemeaning.com where there's a flip book with very original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me. And you will discover there are a lot of places where the print is read, and that is actually links to YouTube videos, many of which are very profound and amazing, that highly confirm from many fields of science the reality of what I am sharing here, and also from archaeology. What am I sharing about? The very source of reality, which is an ultimate perfection of love that is the very source of love from which emanates life and goodness in all things. The one true eternal God. This is the God that is described in the scriptures that are written by those that were very close to God, the Bible. Not their words, but the words of God's Spirit. And what I am sharing here, I seek to share in such a way that I allow what I share to be fully facilitated to speak words that are from God. It says in 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God, referring to believers when they gathered together around Jesus Christ. In the early church of the very beginning, there was total freedom for everyone to share as they sensed the Spirit of God move in them and upon them to share. And so one would have a song and sing it out, not maybe knowing what words they would sing, but knowing the Spirit of God was wanting them to sing out. Another a word of encouragement, another an exhortation, another a prophetic word or a word of knowledge. And that is the way it should be today. As the Word of God commands, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. It is greatly lacking. And I want to explain further that in Revelations 19.10, it says, Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God in spirit and in truth from the depths of our heart with great reverence and love towards God, there comes forth words beyond ourselves that are prophetic, or in other words, we speak as the oracles of God. Now, let me qualify. There's a difference between us speaking and what we have in the written word of God, known as the Bible. There's a verse in the word of God that says that the word of God is like silver refined seven times. And the people that spoke these and wrote down the messages that composed the Bible were those that were very refined through many trials and so on to a place where when they spoke, the words were totally pure and from God. When they wrote, the words were totally pure, 100% from 
God by his spirit. And God in his foreknowledge put together through the council in early church history, I think it's the Council of Nicaea, they brought together what they knew was highly verified by objective evidence to be very integrous and to be very genuine as the word of God and was recognized by the Jewish people and so on and as far as the Old Testament goes, of course. And of course, there was the uh, others in the early church after the apostles, as well as the apostles that acknowledged these scriptures to be those that came from God. And so what I am sharing here, though, I do seek to speak in great measure to allow God by his spirit to speak through me. And that is what we are always to seek to do when we minister the word of God, something greatly lacking. They don't. Nowadays, the closest you get is they'll allow you to, well, go up to the front and ask permission to use the mic. That's not what God wants in the last days. He wants us to go back to the place where we allow God by his spirit to move through each member of the body so that when they sense the Holy Spirit moving, they speak forth. Oh, there could be some that are immature or some that are of the enemy that come in, but God has a way of taking care of any mess that happens. So leadership shouldn't be trying to control those things because Christ is the head of your assembly, not you. And you allow the Spirit of God to move through the assembly. That is the way God wants it. And anything less may often quench the Spirit of God or greatly limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting the local assembly. I have written a book, which you can get on Amazon, called God, Headship, and Body Invasion, which shows everything that you can do in your local assembly to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from coming down into your midst. God is calling for a new order in the church in this hour of great crisis. And this book is a call for the church to wake up and become who God has called them to become. I also have another book recently published on the internet called Afterlife Incredible Irrefutable, which you can get on your phone or whatever digital device you want as well as print. It's 367 pages in print. So I want to share with you that to facilitate speaking as the oracles of God, I cast lots to get two possible chapters in the Bible using two independent random applications. And so I cast lots with one application, get a chapter, and then cast lots with another. I do it with great reverence and prayer over the applications before I use them. And so I want to share with you today the two chapters I received, and then I just meditate a half an hour and then preach, which is what I am about to do here now. But before I share those two chapters, I also seek to find an appropriate, or what I sense God wants is a worship psalm. And so today I have to share with you, I found the worship song by the casting of Lot, which I might have still before me in the hymn book. It's um, a hymn of 1,080 hymns from throughout church history and also from the underground church in China through the work of Watchman Nee, who was martyred in the early 70s. Um, it's page 349. But I couldn't find one that I thought would be satisfactory as far as a nice tune and so on to 
allowed to be in this message. So I did choose a different one for that. But I want to just point out what is in this hymn by reading some of the words. As pants the heart for cooling streams, when healed in the chase, so longs my soul, O God, for thee and thy refreshing grace. Why restless? Why cast down my soul? Trust God who will employ his aid for thee and change thee thy these sighs to thankful hymns of joy. For thee, my God, the living God, my thirsty soul doth pine. O when shall I behold thy face, thou majesty divine? And so I will, well, there's only two more verses, may as well read them. God of my strength, how long shall I, like one forgotten mourn, forlorn, forsaken, and exposed to my oppressor's scorn? Why restless, why cast down my soul, hope still, and thou shalt sing the praise of him who is thy God, thy house eternal spring. Well, we'll just now have the song that I did choose to be part of the message. In God's providence, I believe somehow he's led me to that. And so we will go to that song now and play that song. Washed in the blood. 
Wonderful, awesome song to sing. I wish I could hear people in the church sing that kind of a song far, far more. It has such meaning and depth in the words, and you can just sense the life and the joy of the Holy Spirit as you're singing that song. And I'm certainly going to add it to my playlist. So if you go to my website at loverealize.com, that will be the first one on the playlist. Because right now, while I'm talking to you, I am going to add it right now so that I don't forget to add it. So it is added now to my playlist on this day of June the 7th of 17th, pardon me, of 2023, Tuesday. And I wanna share now with you what I received in the word of God as a message for today by the casting of Lot with those two chapters. I received Daniel chapter five and John 19 and boy, at first I thought, how could there possibly be a theme between these two chapters? But boy, right away, as soon as I started reading this chapter and then the next one, it was very obvious to me what the theme was. And it always is that way. When you, with great reverence, in the fear of God, walking right with God in a love relationship with him, if you are so moved and led of God to do so as I am, you will receive two chapters that bear witness as to the theme and you will find a very synergistic effect spiritually as you meditate on how those two chapters fit together. And it happens time and time again, way beyond coincidence. Because the casting of the lot and the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord, as it says in Proverbs 16, 33. So first of all, I want to read the first chapter that I received by the casting of Lot, which is Daniel chapter 5. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to read certain verses in this chapter that stand out. And so we read, read beginning in verse 2, Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, this is the king of Babylon, the son of the king Nebuchadnezzar that commanded all nations and peoples under his rule to fear the God of Israel and to worship him. It was a command, and I believe he also said that anyone that would not would have their houses destroyed and made a dung heap. If I remember right, I could be wrong on that. However, Belshazzar, here is, here's what we read. This is the son of King Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. In the same hour came forth a finger of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the pilaster of the wall 
of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. And I realize now I need to not just read this little part that I pasted in here, but the rest of Daniel chapter 5. And so I'm going to continue to read here. Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. The king cried aloud, Bring in the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. And so inquiry is made and the king, queen discovers a Daniel who was highly regarded by Nebuchadnezzar and was made ruler over all the magicians. Of course, he didn't condone their practices, but he was made ruler over them all. And he is invited in through the queen introducing him to Belteshazzar. And so we continue to read here. Then was Daniel brought in before the king, and the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel, which art of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the King, my father, brought out of Jewry. I have heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that the light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. Now And now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing and make note unto me the interpretation thereof, but they could not show the interpretation of the things. And I have heard of thee that thou canst make interpretations and dissolve doubts. Now, if thou canst read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about thy neck and shalt be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing on to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O thou king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people and nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would he slew and whom he would he kept alive and whom he would he set up and whom he would he put down. But when his heart was lifted up, and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild asses. And they fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of man, and that he appointeth over it whomsoever he will. And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this, and hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords 
and thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in them? And thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold of brass and iron and wood and stone which see not nor hear nor know, and the God in whose hand is thy breath and whose are all thy ways hast thou not glorified. Then was the part of the hand sent from him. And this is right and this writing was written, and this is the writing that was written, Mini, Mini, Tekel, a parson. And this is the interpretation of the thing. Mini, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. In that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. And Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. That's 62 years old. Now, how does this relate with John 19? Well, I'm just going to read some of the verses in John 19. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers plaited crown, a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. Continuing in verse 6, When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Do you see what is being shown here in these two chapters? It's basically this. Those that do not have the genuine fear of God often have the opposite of the fear of God by allowing disrespect to God, which is the opposite of the fear of God. And it's like crucifying Christ. There is a contrast between the immorality of the king of Babylon and his princes with the self-righteousness of the Jews. Both conditions came out about by the failure to enter into the genuine fear of God. Outwardly, the Jews may have been moral with much ceremonial and religious practice, but inwardly their heart was filled with murder and all kinds of immorality. They sought the glory of people and made themselves wealthy and filled with the comforting loves of the world. But they did not seek the glory of God. And the word of God says, how can you believe which seek glory from one another and do not seek the glory of God only? And you will not want to seek the glory of God if you don't know God. If you do not 
have the genuine fear of God. Nebuchadnezzar went through a great humbling process because of the pride that was in his heart, to break that pride, to bring him to a place of conversion where he commanded all peoples to greatly fear the God of the Jews and to worship him and acknowledge him as the one true eternal God. And yet his son failed to enter in to his commandment. You wonder what happened to his son. He's shaken in his boots. He knows the wrong and the evil of what he's done. So he, that's why he's shaken. He knows he should have never taken those vessels. You can imagine when Daniel walked in and he recognized they were drinking out of that. The anger that was in Daniel himself of that there would be such disrespect to the one true and living God and that you'd be praising gods of stone and all of these things that are insignificant. Well, it's possible that Belshazzar totally repented. It is possible. He saw finally how terrible what he did was and cried out with all his heart for mercy, but he received the judgment of God and was slain that night. That night and the kingdom was given to the Medes and Darius the Median ruled that very night when Daniel decreed this judgment upon him that was in the writing on the wall. And God has his time to put down one and raise up another. And those that defy God and that have not the reverence of God or the fear of God, they vaunt themselves with their blasphemies in the face of God. And the ruler of such a people will receive serious judgment and they will be removed and destroyed in God's timing. The same is true of the Antichrist. He has a season where he can blaspheme God and show all of this terrible irreverence. But the time comes when God in his anger pours out his wrath because he's given time for them to repent and they've hardened themselves and conformed themselves to a total state that is a hell-contagious anti-life self-destructive state of being for others and for their own life and against God and all that is life. So they end up in a place that is a place of eternal torment in hell. There are those that crucify afresh Christ. And they are those that after they have heard the gospel continually, continually resist to come to a place of allowing their pride to be broken and to humble themselves before God. And they keep on resisting the Spirit of God to the point that they are apostate and will never choose life. So they've chosen death. And remember, no, I don't, I realize now I didn't preach on this, but I did cast lots on Sunday, though I didn't have time to meditate on the chapter. And I remember what the verse was on the two chapters on Sunday. 
There was a verse in Proverbs that says, they that hate me love death. And the other chapter in Proverbs, I'm trying to remember that I got, but I went right along with it. Yes, it was about the resurrection of Lazarus. And the Pharisees that were so, here they see someone raised from the dead instead of fearing God, they're wanting to kill Lazarus, who was raised from the dead because they're so concerned about their own little spiritual kingdom and people looking up to them and them having the significance and them having all the wealth and all the authority. They're not interested in God. They're interested in their own kingdom. God is calling the church back to the genuine fear of God. In these last days, it will be the thing God powerfully restores to his people. It says in Revelations 14 that before the, do, the judgment comes and the Antichrist world system comes, you've got a chronological scene there in Revelations 14. It's one of the best scenes chronologically. The first angel that comes out is preaching an everlasting gospel that says, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him that made heaven and earth. And it goes on. And the sea and so on. God has a message to the body of Christ today through me and many others that represent that angel. And it is fear God and worship him in spirit and in truth as never before out of the genuine fear of God. And I want to clarify again, without getting into too much detail, what the genuine fear of God is. It is a deep turning from the heart out of a choice to recognize God from your heart, not just intellectually, but far more from your heart. It may not involve your mind all that much but mostly from your heart to reciprocate and recognize God for who he in reality is that could only be in order to be ultimately trustworthy, to contain unlimited power in life without being corrupted by it or using it in a corrupt way and thus could be the only source of unlimited authority and power in life. It is a recognition, first of all, of God and his being of love as integrous, as being totally pure. I'm talking about the agape love, the highest form of love that always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice, because any lesser choice as such would have a measure of corruption in it. But God's love is totally pure. There is no corruption. His love is the opposite of corruption. It is the destroyer of corruption, of all that is contrary to love, because love is that which births life without corruption and goodness without corruption. But corruption is because of the condition of a heart that is not in union with God. And the secret to union and intimacy with God is the genuine fear of God. And the genuine fear of God is clarified in Isaiah 33, where we read concerning the Messiah, the fear of the Lord is his treasure. 
It is in the fear of God that there is the secret of abiding under the Most High, the shadow of the Most High. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, the Word of God says. And the secret is to have a genuine turning from the heart that circumcises your heart, that breaks the spirit of pride in your inner being. Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of God and reciprocates God and his holiness. Yes, when you see all the suffering in your own life and all the suffering around you, you can easily get focused on that and begin to have doubt as to why God would allow that in your life and in all the suffering you see around you. That's what happened to Cain. And he got a distorted out of that unthankful focus, he got a distorted perception of God as some kind of dictator that demands appeasement. Then he began thinking, and the others after him, that didn't have the fear of God, well, maybe there's other powerful beings like him in outer space. Oh, he must be just another creature from outer space. Did you know that the Catholic Church, some of the top theologians, believe that Jesus Christ is a creature from outer space and that he's going to come back in a UFO soon? They have a great big, you can see it on my website at loverealize.com. I have it in a certain section there with the videos and everything. They have a great big telescope in the United States, very powerful, where they're looking at all these flying saucers all the time and talking about a top theologians in the Catholic Church. What I'm telling you about is the one true God that is the very source of existence and of all reality. We don't worship three gods, this is a side note. We worship one God, but this one God is in three personages. Because to rule in the three ultimate aspects of existence, which are beyond creation, in creation, and filling all creation, requires you to be in those three aspects and personage. And so as the Father, he's ruling and function beyond the creation realm. The Son is the full expression of the Father into the creation realm to communicate with creation and experience the limitations of creation and the Holy Spirit filling all things in omnipresence, the third ultimate aspect of existence. What, what I am sharing here with you is that first we see that the holiness of God that has allowed such suffering around us is good because it is judging what is corrupt, which ensures that there can be a destiny without corruption. Because if God is that good that he will not tolerate, but judges corruption, it means that that goodness therefore must be so great that he has provided destiny for why would he, for his creation, for why would he create us without destiny? That would imply he's less than perfect. He doesn't create things without purpose. He doesn't create things for them to be corrupted and not go on or to be destroyed. No, God's goodness is so great that it was ultimately manifested in the fact that he humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, and suffered more than you, a mere creature, on the cross. And I can tell you, whenever I pray and I start to really focus in on the fact that that's what Christ did for me. Many times my heart is broken. And I say, because I realize 
that even if I was the only one he created in the universe, he loved me so much that he would have done that for me. And the reason I say that is because in my research on life after death and the book that I've written, I discovered that the Christians that have died, like Dean Braxton, who was dead for, highly verified as dead for almost two hours by medical equipment and doctors, the love was so intense in that other superior dimension far greater than the physical that he knew that Christ was saying to him that even if he was the only one that existed in the universe, he would have died for him and done that for him. He felt that kind of intense love coming from Christ when he was at his feet, bowed before him. He, could, he said he could have thanked Christ for a thousand years. And when you are touched by what Christ has done for you on the cross and, on, on, and that he would have such a quality of being that always was in him from the infinite past where he is beyond time. And there are many planes and dimensions of time. He is beyond time. And it always was in the being of God that he would have such love, that he would love you that much. And you were going to reject his love? No. The genuine fear of God first reciprocates the recognition that God and his severity towards sin and towards our lives in order to deliver us from sin is good. And out of that, there is the reciprocation of his mercy, of his love, and his atoning sacrifice on the cross. The genuine fear of God is a reciprocation of the being of God's love in these two aspects, which is the sharp two-edged sword, first of holiness and then of mercy, that pierces to the inner depths of our being to circumcise our heart, to break the pride, to keep us in this secret place where we don't want any recognition from man, where we hate the recognition of man. We only want the recognition of God. Do you know that your brain was created? Half of your brain was created to comprehend out of awe. That's what psychologists and the people that study the brain know. Half of it is created for worship in awe. And God wants to restore that awe to the body of Christ. You know, in the interview of the Jewish lad that died and saw scenes of heaven and of the coming of the Messiah where the Mount of Olives splits in half, that's in my book on the afterlife. He said that when the Messiah came, the way he filtered out the wicked from those that would, would live and survive for the millennial reign and those that didn't, was he was smelling out whether they had the fear of God in them. And those that didn't have the fear of God will not make it, because those are people that have never, never come to receive God's love. They rejected his love. So I'm calling all of you, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, as it says in Colossians Walk humbly before your God. Someone was wondering why they felt like I had a broken heart. I have a broken heart because God has chastised me because I've loved the things of this world and he's had to pull them out of my hands. And my heart was broken over many times when I was loved with a woman and I was rejected. 
but I've also had my heart broken with tears for the body of Christ, that his glory might come into our midst in its fullness. And I have many times been weeping and crying, Lord, Lord, I want to see this nation of Canada conquered with the gospel. I want to see United States conquered with the gospel. This is the secret, is that we repent and become his house of prayer and holiness. And that's what is written in my book. And God will build his church as he pleases in these last days. And if you get in the way of his zeal and passion to bring forth his conquering bride church, well, it wouldn't be a good place to be. I don't think anyone that loves God would want to do anything but be totally in alignment with the zeal of God to fulfill John 17 in these last days before his soon return. There's so much more that can be shared from these passages of Scripture. But I want you to know God wants us to know what it is to be those with a broken and a contrite heart out of love for God. The love of God rebirths circumcision in our heart so that we walk a circumspect walk before him in holiness. It doesn't mean that we don't sin. I mean, I've had temptation. I'm still single. I get, I've had times when I've been really tempted. I've had to repent. I've entertained wrong thoughts. But you repent. But I've been going on. I, it rarely happens. It used to happen a lot more, but I always repented. I refused to be without transparency before God and to justify something or to be unsafe. Play it. Be on the safe side. Don't try to deceive yourselves to say, oh, the Bible doesn't teach that that's sin. When you see many verses that are saying that we're to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, don't listen to teachers that try to say, oh, that's not really what the Word of God says. You don't have to live a holy life. You don't have to repent of your sins. No, it says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to keep our accounts with God every day in transparency, and if we see sin, to repent immediately of it. So this is the message. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing blood? Oh, that was a wonderful song. And I pray that you would be blessed from this message. So continue to support me in prayer, and if you can financially right now, I'm not a nonprofit organization. I don't know if God wants me to do that or not, but Right now it's not, but I do have a place where you can contribute on loverealize.com as well as you can purchase one of my books, which I've just been, I've just started to market the, market the first book. It's not the first one that was put up there, but the first one I'm marketing. So I'm hoping it'll take off and really sell, but right now I'm having to invest a bit of money in that. But I'm, I need help and financially because I'm in a lot of debt from things I did in the past that were unwise. Although I should have been receiving 93000 and be way out of debt because of an inheritance, which is too long to share about, that God, I should have received from those that didn't divide it properly. It's kind of heartbreaking when your own family does that to you, uh, especially when I was the one that loved mom and looked after her for, for a very long time, was always the one visiting her 
by far. Number of times each week in the Caratome and 21 months in our rancher, getting about two and four in the morning to clean up after or going to the washroom. So God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this message. And I look forward to being free in the near future of any constraints of debt or anything so I can focus more on evangelism and on what God wants to do to bring this new order in assemblies throughout Canada, United States, and around the world to fulfill John 17. God bless you all.